DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. we got a big dose of college football coming up for you right now. If you love college football, stick around for the next hour and a half because we're going to be hitting it hard here. Skip Holtz, Louisiana Tech Bulldogs football coach, is going to join us coming up at 9.05. Tech is a 23.5 point underdog against BYU. The game's Friday night, 7 o'clock. And... You know, there are a lot of things to analyze. I think a clear and obvious strength of this Cougar football team is the offensive line. And I know that's not sexy and that's not exciting and that's not really what you want to spend a lot of time talking about on Sports Talk Radio because offensive line doesn't really motivate a lot of people besides Hans Olsen. But when your offensive line is that good and you can push one team up and down the field and then pass protect while your quarterback throws for almost 400 yards in the next game, you, you got a pretty serious advantage here. And there is one problem for uh, Louisiana Tech that I think the offensive line is going to complement quite well. And I think that that is the reason that BYU is a 23.5 point uh, favorite in this game. So we'll talk with Skip Holtz about that. He'll kind of lay it out. He knows where he's got a problem on his team, and he knows why he's got a problem. And he'll spell that out for you coming up at 9.05. DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in David Nixon, former BYU linebacker. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. David, good morning. DJ, what's going on? Well, we're here to talk about a game where BYU is favored to squash somebody for the third straight game. And I'm wondering, as a former Cougar, do you really enjoy that? Or is it, you don't want to say it out loud, but it kind of bores you. Uh, You know what? A little bit of both. I think I err on the side that I really enjoy it. I mean, listen, this fan base has been through the up and downs of losses to uh, UMass and Northern Illinois, and last year Toledo, USF. And so, if anything, I think this fan base loves the fact that BYU is going out there and taking care of business uh, against teams that they should, you know, they should go out there and single handedly win. And they're doing just that. So, uh, I, uh, I, I think I err more on the side of I enjoy this. But I will tell you this with the schedule that BYU has, if it continues to happen, it's going to get a little boring throughout the season if they continue to roll the way they're rolling. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, it's been, it's been fun to watch. So I wondered about Louisiana Tech, uh, but they played a couple games here. They've given up a lot of points. They've given up 34 points a game. That's just through two games. And one of the games, they gave up a lot of points to Houston Baptist, but they were scoring 66 points. I don't know how much intensity. When you were out there in a game and the offense was just scoring at will, did the defense ever lose its edge? Not you personally. You would never do that, David, but did some never. of the other guys lose their edge? Uh, no, actually, in fact, I think it does the exact opposite. I think as a defensive unit, if you're watching your offense just march up and down the field, put points up, it energizes you as a whole, as a unit, uh, and it makes you want to go out there and get the ball back in their hands as fast as possible. In fact, I remember that uh, happening my senior year when we played UCLA. I think we beat no, like 50, yeah. 50, was it 59 to nothing? or <laughs> I think we maybe let a touchdown late in the game. I can't remember what it was, but it was something crazy. And it was one of those things where, like I said, we, we continue to feed off each other, and um, it's it's a really it's hard to explain, but it's a really cool feeling whenever all sides of the team are are clicking. Because once again, during the week in practice, the defense and offense, you know, you've got your scout teams going, so you really aren't practicing much together. Yeah, you'll do some one on ones um, and maybe do some eleven on eleven late late in practice, but for the majority of practice, defense is on one side of the field and offense is on the other side doing their own thing. 
Uh, and so game days, when game days roll around, it's kind of one of your first opportunities to be together as a whole team and uh, and to have the same objective and goal, and that's to go out there and whoop that team across from you on the sideline. And and so I think you, you feed off each other and you, you start to build that momentum and, and you, see, you can kind of see what the result is. But um, now, I, I, in this, I will say this. I was, in the, I, I was at the stadium and it was – it was a weird feeling being there, um, but I will say the BYU did a great job of kind of creating their own energy on the sideline, creating their own their own buzz, and uh, you could hear all the guys, the BYU guys yelling and hooting and hollering, and of course you saw the dancing they did on the sidelines and all that stuff. But um, you know that's that's something this year that with COVID they they got to go out there and, and pump each other up. So while the defense is out there balling out, the offense hopefully is on the sideline uh, cheering them on, and vice versa, and, and creating that kind of crowd noise, if you will. David Nixon, former BYU linebacker, joining us here. So I'm curious, as you watch the BYU offensive line uh, push people around at Navy and make the game really easy to win, and then pass protect for a quarterback who's throwing for almost 400 yards. So they're showing, you know, hey, they can they can dominate in different ways. As a former linebacker, when you're facing an offensive line that's that got that kind of advantage, what do you expect your defense to do? What could you throw at an offensive line that's that that kind of advantage? to get your team back in the game because when you're getting dominated like that by an offensive line, you're usually in trouble. Yeah, listen, it's, if you're opposing defense right now, it's one of those things where you've got to pick your poison. I mean, the problem is if you stack 7-8 in the box, uh, then Zach's shown right now the ability to do the play action, and, and he's uh, you know very decisive and, and really accurate right now. So um, if you're opposing defense, it's, it's tough. You, you've got to figure out a way to disguise some things I think Zach is still working on that. I think if you can bring uh, safeties and backers and, and switch it up a little bit, uh, then, then you maybe can try to create some of that confusion. But if you just try to line up against BYU's offensive line right now, I mean, this, this offense is averaging five yards per carry right now through two games. I mean, it's just and, – and when you go back and watch the film, it's purely that offensive line and the surge they're getting. I mean, no, no doubt Algeria and Katoa have been playing well. Um, but these guys have huge holes to run in. I mean, you, you watch that offensive line just wash down that defensive line, and, of course, the running back in has a cutback on the backside, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty impressive to see. I mean, I don't think anybody's had an offensive line like this in, in, in decades. I mean, it's, it's something that, as a collective unit, yeah, you always have one-off guys that have been pretty solid, but as a unit, this offensive line has been pretty impressive so far. And once again, keep in mind who it's against. It's against Navy and, and uh, Troy, but um, I, I, what I like about this team, and people keep saying that, yeah, it's Navy and Troy. But I love about this BYU team is what I alluded to at the beginning of this, uh, this segment was, you know, in the past, BYU would kind of play down to their opponents and play up to their opponents. I mean, look at USC last year. You looked at Wisconsin years past. They, they'll play up to their opponents, but also play down. And, and that's not happening this year. This year they're going out there and, and taking care of business and winning decisively. So um, I think that's what got all has all fans encouraged is, is the fact that you don't have a – you know, 24 to 17 type game this year. These are blowouts, and they're and they're doing it on all sides of the ball. So uh, you played obviously in the NFL for a while. How much more elaborate do defenses get there? How much more complicated? I mean, are you are you hitting quarterbacks with zone blitzes that they never see in college? You know, is it if not Louisiana Tech? Is there some team out there that would do something like that? Yeah, I will say the NFL, the defenses were much more complex. Uh, and mostly it was because you're facing offenses that are more complex. And so anytime there's a shift or a movement, there's a completely different check on every single one of those. 
and and so I mean, listen, it's your job, right? So you you better be in the film room and, and in your playbook, understanding what your defense is doing. So uh, that's understandable. But uh, if you're if you're Louisiana Tech, I will say, some Louisiana Tech, having watched uh, some of the film on them from their last few games, uh, this is a team that's pretty similar to Troy in the sense they like to spread it out and air it out. But I will say the personnel uh, and the players themselves are, are much more skilled than Troy was. Uh, and so I, I think this Louisiana Tech team is not going to be as easy and as much of a, a steamroll as we saw with, with Troy last week. Um, but at the same time, it's a team that gave up uh, they get over 400 yards to, to Houston Baptist, and uh, they have some vulnerabilities on their side of the ball as well. So um, I, I think BYU continues their route and what they've been doing, but this isn't going to be as much of a, a cakewalk this week. So uh, we'll kind of see how it all plays out. Ah, Vegas disagrees with you. 23 and a half points suggests cakewalk. Yeah, especially I think Troy's was like 14 or something. I, yeah, 14, I 15, th- yeah. Yeah, I think, I think. Uh, I mean, personally, I think Vegas is jumping on the bandwagon of just seeing what BYU is doing the first two weeks. Uh, but I think this, I honestly do think this Louisiana Tech team is more skilled and more talented than the first two opponents BYU's faced. And I think, honestly, I think the schedule will start to trend that way as you, as you start to peak towards um, Houston and then, uh, of course, we'll see what happens with Boise State and potentially getting Army back on the schedule and things like that. I think that I think the uh, the skill level should should continue to increase. But um, you know, in the meantime, like I said, it's it's been fun to watch. I mean, it's it's uh, one of those things where BYU fans also in the month of September are kind of used to taking their lumps, right? This is typically the month where BYU faces all the P5s, and you're hoping to go two and two against a schedule that uh, they typically have. And, and here they are sitting two and zero and and looking to go three zero this week, I think it's a you know a, a pretty pretty uh, a solid chance that happens. But um, it's it's a different feeling because in, in Independence usually that's where you take your losses in September, and then try to rally on the back end, where it's kind of the opposite this year, given the given the whole reschedule. You know, I I am really curious. Houston has obviously had both good teams and bad teams over the last five or six years. They, you know, and they had a coaching change and all that. And so I don't know how good they are this year, but it's so weird. Every week I want to see their game, and then every week their game is canceled. They've had five games canceled in four weeks. So when you're looking for a difficult BYU opponent, somebody who's got a little name, a rep, obviously getting Boise State on the schedule, I think it'll happen. I can't guarantee it, but I, I think it's likely. And and Houston's another chance, but I had literally have no idea because I haven't seen Houston play because they haven't been able to play a game yet, which is the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, I think we're all in the same boat. I mean, traditionally, Houston, uh, you know, Houston's one of those schools like, a, like an SMU where they pick up a lot of the scraps in Texas of the talent that doesn't get picked up by A&M or UT or TCU or Texas Tech, and they kind of they fall to, to a team like Houston. So they usually can put together and fill together a pretty solid team, given, you know, Herman went to Texas, and they've, like you said, they've had coaching changes and things like that. But, um, you know, it's, it's a name that's that's traditionally been a pretty solid team. They're not a you know, cupcake like some of these other teams BYU has on their schedule. So I think all the fans are hoping that when they finally do get to play, if that ever happens to this guy, these guys. By the way, I, I can't imagine being a Houston player and each week preparing to go out there and play, and, and next thing you know, halfway into the week or the beginning of the week, they announced that it's canceled because the other team isn't being responsible. And I think Houston, maybe it's their fault one or two of those weeks as well. But it's just a, it's a crazy deal. Emotionally, it's got to be a, just a massive roller coaster. Uh, because once again, these guys, you only in football, you only have 12 to 13 games. I mean, it's not like basketball where you're doing, you know, 30 plus. Uh, in other sports, baseball, where, where you're playing a lot. 
Uh, football, you only have these 13, 12, 13 opportunities that you pre- prepare for all year and, and all off season and, and go through fall camp. I mean, so much work that goes into this. And to have, you know, now three, four, I mean, I think, I think it's up to four now that have been canceled. It's just, man, it's, uh, I, I honestly can't imagine. But uh, the hope is they get out and, and get to play. And then, of course, now BYU fans, it's funny, BYU fans now are, are watching all these other schools that they, they have played and they will play. And they're all rooting hard for them because, yeah, we get it that, they're not going to probably be ranked, but if they can go in there and show that they beat a 3-0 or 4-0 UTSA team or Texas State or Western Kentucky, uh, you know, I, I think that fares well for BYU now that they're ranked and, and trying to climb up in those rankings and kind of bolster their, their RPI, if you will. Yeah, well, Houston's not scheduled to play this week. They'll, uh, their opener will be October 8th against Tulane, and then they'll have BYU. So that's, that's where that one sits. Uh, I'm curious as you watch this um, – if they're if BYU is gonna get beat, how would a team attack the Cougars? I don't know if it's a weak spot or the weakest spot, and obviously a little bit of this will go to who the, where the opponent's strength is. But as you watch the Cougars, is there something you're able to see where you think this is where a team will go at the Y? I think defensively, if you're facing BYU as a defense, I think you have to plan on manning up on the outside with, with these receivers uh, and, and just loading the box. And, and you got to force BYU into throwing the ball. And, of course, you have to force Zach into to making bad decisions. And a lot of that becomes with baiting. Uh, so you get into to zone-type defense as well. Uh, and, and you kind of lack back, but then be ready to jump on routes. Uh, but you've got to stop the run against this offense because the thing is, when you go back and watch the film of BYU's offense, they do a fantastic job of play action. And then Zach has all day in the pocket. The backers suck up, and he's done a great job of hitting those deep digs across the middle. Um, and then, of course, you know, he has all day back there, so a lot of the go routes were there. There was a slam go uh, to, uh, I want to say it was a Dax Milne uh, on Saturday that he hit uh, for, for a touchdown. So those are some things, I think, defensively. Offensively, you're facing BYU – uh, you got to start with, with blocking Kyrus Tonga up front. I mean, uh, Troy struggled doing that, and, and he, it resulted in two sacks with, with Kyrus. Uh, and then, of course, the rest of the team, you had Batty had a sack and Zach Dahl had a sack. How about BYU having nine sacks through the first two games? And, you, and that's especially going against the Navy team that didn't even like to throw the ball, uh, that BYU came up with five sacks. So pretty impressive from a unit that really struggled last year. They got a lot of grief for the whole drop eight. Concept is finally getting some pressure. It's been fun to watch there, but uh, I think you got to stop Kyrus Tonga. And then you know BYU's strength right now is this linebacker unit. I think everyone came into the season looking at the deep, the secondary, realizing uh, BYU had a lot of a lot of depth there, a lot of veteran guys coming back off injuries with Troy Warner, Zane Anderson, Chris Wilcox, those those guys. Uh, but this linebacker unit has really uh, shown up, and and I mean they're ultimate playmakers. So the front seven for me is something you got to you'd have to scheme and try to attack, but I mean, obviously, you know, the coaches on the other side of the ball are getting paid to do that. And they still haven't found a way to make it happen to the first two games. So uh, it's not an easy task to do. But but uh, if, if I were a coach, that's probably what I would go after. Um, but it's like I said, it's fun to watch this BYU team be a, a complete unit. I think in years past, you'd have the defense would be playing really well and offense would struggle and vice versa. Uh, and shoot, even special teams. You, know, you look at Jake Olroy with that 54-yard field goal at the end of the first half, I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw a 50-plus yarder made by a BYU kicker. I mean, so it's, I know you, all you fans, that's something standard for them with all the great kickers they've had. But uh, for BYU, it's, it's been something that's, that's been lacking in, in the years past. So nice to see a weapon there as well. So really rolling in all three phases. 
So I suspect I, I expect we kind of have some BYU fans who are just uh, you know coming back to consciousness because you probably knocked them out early in the interview. Uh, you came hard with the whole winning the games they're supposed to win, and then you put salt in the wound by literally listing the humiliating losses. Northern Illinois, UMass, Toledo. I got to admit, I was a little stunned. You know, I was like, I was like the boxer needs a standing aid. I wasn't down, but the ref knew I was in trouble. <laughs> listen, listen, you, you got to keep the fan base. You got you to remember, you got to keep them humble with, with, with what the history shows. Uh, but that's what's great. That this team is promising, right? I, right, but I, I really, so I'm curious why. Because we know they were supposed to win those games. They were supposed to beat UMass, not lose that game. Now, last year, they did to UMass what I think everyone wanted them to do, right? McChesney ran for 5 billion yards, and they won the game. Why is this team taking care of business? What corner has been turned? Why this when we got this history where it wasn't happening, and now they're taking care of business? I think, I think it's a pretty simple answer. I think it all comes down to experience and leadership. I mean, keep in mind, during those losses, you had a freshman quarterback, Zach Wilson, who's just learning the offense. You had a freshman Gunnar Romney out, to, out there on the outside. You had freshman uh, line. I mean, you look at Brady Christensen been starting for three years now. I mean, you, you look across the board, BYU was very, very young when they were taking those lumps just a few years ago. A lot of guys, because of injuries or whatever it may have been, uh, were forced into starting roles as really young underclassmen. Uh, and, and Kalani's bitching this, that they kind of look forward to this year, this year and next year, really, as the years that they've, you know, finally the rebuild is coming around. And, and frankly, I think that's why Tom Homo went out there and extended Kalani, because he realized that Kalani's been trying to build something up. That they, they really felt like the cover was pretty bare after Bronco left, uh, and, and they felt like they had to go out there and get their own recruits, uh, who then, of course, come and then go on missions. And so it really takes four or five years for these guys to cycle through and be ready to, to be major contributors. And, and that's where we sit right now, that a lot of these guys who were thrust into starting roles young and early um, are finally now upperclassmen, uh, they got that game experience, and now they're you know now it's results on the field with the way they're playing. and so uh, it was just a really young team. And of course, I I hate that excuse as as a former player. I hate when coaches say hey, it's just a really young team. We're we're trying to learn, but it's the truth. If you don't have senior leadership, if you don't have that type of experience, you've got a whole bunch of freshmen playing. You're not going to be a great team. It's just how it is, uh, and that's how B- what BYU was facing just a couple years ago when they lost to all those teams we've already, already rattled off. So um, I you know. It's a bummer that, that this team, uh, a team that, you know, really Klein's been working on, like I said, for since he's really been here, uh, has this type of schedule because I think it would have been a special season. And it kills, still could be a special season, of course. Uh, but I think, it, you know, it would have been fun to see what they could do to showcase their talents against uh, better, better teams. But uh, it is what it is. And, and once again, they're, they're taking care of business against teams they should. They should. And, and then winning uh, decisively and, and, and putting up a lot of points. And I think, obviously, the, the, the whole country's taking notice with the ranking they've got. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I think the reason we can't talk about the past at this point is because we see what the future holds. And you see, a, you see an offensive line unit that's got a lot of depth and a lot of guys that, are, that played and will contribute. Uh, you see Zach Wilson's a junior, um, and, and um, you know, he's got now a couple more years. You've got Tyler, Jerry Katoa, Gunnar Romney. I mean, there's just a lot of talent there that they're starting to build, and now it's building a depth. And I'll say this, kind of last thing about this, the, the great thing about this – current BYU team is now you've got a lot of upperclassmen that are playing and it now allows the freshmen and sophomores to really start to grow into the system. They don't have to be thrust into starting as a freshman and sophomore, but they can sit there and learn behind these veteran guys. And then when their numbers call, when they're a junior and senior, 
uh, now they're ready and prepared and they've, they've had enough looks and practice, et cetera, to be able to come in and play. And you won't have those growing pains like you had at the beginning, uh, that Kalani had at the beginning when he, when he first came in. You know, uh, people ask me, do you like doing radio more or do you like doing TV more? You know, I get, I get that all the time. And, and the answer is there's cool things about both that I enjoy and both uh, lack something that I get out of the other one, right? So it's a good fit. And one of the things about radio is you don't see people's body language. Sometimes you catch the tone of the voice, but it's easier when you have the video and you have the body language as well. And I think people say a lot in nonverbal communication. You get a lot from more than just the words. So with Kalani, I've seen a couple of media availabilities that have really shown different sides of his personality. One that we see all the time, one that we don't see a lot, but you know it's there because if it weren't, he couldn't have worked for Kyle Winningham for a long time and had a great relationship with him. That's business, down to the facts, no BS, it's like this Kalani. And a lot of time he comes out, like he did after the last game, and I'm curious what you think of this. When the Army game was canceled, that was no BS, it's like this Kalani. And we don't see that a lot, but he was really to the point. He was on point. He was answering difficult questions, and it was like this. This is how it is. And I love seeing that Kalani. The Kalani we see a lot is the post-game Kalani. Hey, the guys are playing hard. They're playing for each other. They they really love each other. And I know he says that for multiple reasons, and I know there's some truth to it, and it matters in a team and in a group that you have that vibe. And I think it really pays off in recruiting. And so I know why he says that. I'm curious if you think he overplays that or if you think it's really important and you're glad he kind of has that post-game session that he had after the Troy win. Because honestly, I like that press conference. I didn't like the Army cancellation, but I really appreciated the way he addressed that head-on. I'm not as much into the fluffy Kalani postgame, but I know there's a reason for it, and I'm wondering how you feel about it. Yeah, listen, I, I think the players are playing the way right now as well because of Kalani. I think, I think he's very straightforward. I think he's honest with them. Um, and, and as a result, I think they rally around him. And, and I remember him saying, I think I mentioned here on the show last week as well, uh, the players asked him this year, they're like, hey, we want you to be more animated on the sideline. We want to see more dancing and things like that. And he mentioned that in one of our interviews with BOTD, and, and sure enough, that's what you get from him. You see him dancing all up and down the field. Uh, in fact, we were breaking down some film yesterday on our show after for the review, and there was a play where Isaiah Kafusi almost had an interception, if you recall, it tipped off the receiver and went right into his hands and he dropped it. Uh, and the Kalani was on the sideline just going crazy. I've never seen a coach, honestly. I've seen, I mean, he's done a lot of dancing, a lot of crazy stuff, uh, but he was just going nuts that, that he didn't get the interception. And it's stuff like that that I think, in the honesty you alluded to, it, it's stuff like that that makes these players rally around him. And I think that's why uh, that we also did a segment on the same show that we asked the players, why BYU? Why did you come to BYU? And half the responses were family, right? I've got family tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted that sense of family. But, a lot, but the other majority of them said Kalani, and it was a pretty simple answer. They all they said was Kalani. Uh, and that's something that he's building with, with this program, with his team. We knew that coming into it, that he's a very, very personal guy, um, and, and that was the hope that that would kind of shine through in his recruiting efforts. And I think it is, and, and you see that from the players, and I think that message is getting out. And I think, like you said, I think his recruits see that, that he's a very just straightforward, honest guy, and that's all you want from a coach. I mean, there's so much politics and stuff that goes into football, uh, that if you can have a coach who's going to sit you down, just shoot you straight, 
I mean, that's all you can ask for. The, and, and, and when those guys do that, you respect them. So um, I think the team's rallying around him. It's fun to watch. And, and of course, he's, he's getting it right back. I mean, he's out there. He's their biggest cheerleader on the sideline. Uh, and it's not traditional. It's definitely not what, what, uh, what Lavelle did. It's not what Bronco did. But he's got his own style, and it's working. And it's, uh, it's kind of fun to watch as a fan. Yeah. All right. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for the time, David. Thanks for stopping by, and we'll talk to you again next week. Hi, DJ. Take care. David Nixon, he's former BYU linebacker, former NFL guy, and he joins us every week to talk football right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Riley Jensen coming up next. Louisiana Tech Bulldogs football coach Skip Holtz. Tech is a 23.5-point underdog to BYU. The game's Friday night in Provo. Skip Holtz, Louisiana Tech head coach, and he talks about a group. We had to tape this because of his availability as a head coach, and he's going to talk about a group that uh, is inexperienced and they're having problems with, and he knows it, and it'll probably get fixed over time, but before it gets fixed, will BYU be able to exploit it? That's coming up at 9 o'clock. Stay with us.